Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Billboard Chart Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, I'm Trevor Anderson. I am the chart manager slash editorial liaison. And this is where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts. And Trevor, this is one of the best bargains in music because it won't cost you $12,000 to listen. <laughs> but you don't get a cheese sandwich at the same time. So we don't have that. Uh, unfortunately, no cheese sandwiches for the audience. You can make one, I guess, if you if you want while you're listening. Um Poor Fire Festival. Yeah, Gary alluding to the infamous Fire Festival that happened or didn't happen <laughs> over this past weekend. Uh, I'm sure all of you guys have seen, um, particularly on Instagram, social media. If you somehow have missed this entire set of news, um, but yeah, this crazy festival that that they had uh, established in the Bahamas. So it's a destination festival for a lot of kids in the states. First time they were ever going to host it. You know, Kendall Jenner and a few other. You know, influencers were, were hyping it up for the past couple of months on Instagram and Twitter. You know, kids selling out thousands of dollars. You got to fly to the Bahamas. You're staying in these sort of what are supposed to be these nice little resorts and these nice little, you know, trinkets and have this concierge food that's supposed to be top notch and yada yada. Point is, everyone gets there. The organization has been a dis- disaster. There's, I mean, there's, there's no. The accommodations are like little tents on from, on the sand. From the pictures I've seen, you know, I go camping a lot. I've stayed in what looks like in nicer, primitive campgrounds in the middle of nowhere than what it looked like. The accommodations 100%. were there, just like, almost like, I mean, like just some sort of like makeshift, you know, white tent. It, it almost looked like a festival had happened, and this is what was left afterwards. Yeah, this is like the beach crews cleaned up like yeah. the next day. No, I mean, the food and the food kitchens is not, I mean, not, you know, Plaza Hotel worthy. This is some bread, sandwiches, a slap of lettuce, a piece of wilted, you know, lettuce on the side. Um, And on top of all of that, even if the accommodations of the food were terrible, then the act started canceling because they heard that how terrible it was going to be. And they, I'm sure, probably didn't have any sort of equipment or sound or anything. Blink-182 went out um, on, on social media the day of or the day before talking about they were going to cancel their slot. I mean, everybody did. They stopped sending flights even. It was just an right. all around, like an A-plus disaster. All right, so we figured at least, because everyone 
uh, is is uh, playing up uh, all the, the the bad uh, parts of this. Let's at least take a moment here on the podcast because <laughs> we're we're charts to, to celebrate Ja Rule's success on the Hot 100. He's had a bunch of hits. Yeah, Ja Rule. Um, I mean, I'm sure as a lot of people, especially know he and Ashanti were were the tag team before Beyonce and Jay Z came to town in terms of rap song collaborations. Um, plenty of hits there. So yeah, we'll we'll wind it back to Jaw's golden days. It's murder. So Ja Rule again, you know, that early part of the 2000s, you know, right as right as the world was starting to turn from teen pop into rap, Ja Rule was one of the first people on scenes with a lot of those those murder hits. Um, him and Ashanti, like we mentioned, had plenty of hits themselves. Ja Rule and Jen- Jennifer Lopez were a team there for a while, a couple number ones with right. I'm Real, Ain't It Funny. So some of, some of J-Lo's biggest hits coming up with some help from Ja Rule. All right, lots else to get to on the podcast this week. Uh, we'll run down the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100, which includes a new number one. Uh, for our Industry Insider interview, we'll take it to Nashville, where a Billboard senior chart manager, Jim Asker, will chat with Pandora's Rachel Whitney, talking all about uh, Pandora's country programming. And we'll flash back to this week in 1964. It's not even Beatles-related. Usually, if we're talking 1964, it's about the Beatles but something else. So uh, we'll get to that. Uh, flashbacks as it relates uh, to the Tony Awards, because the uh, nominations were just announced this week. So that's all coming up. But first, this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, Number nine. 
going on a high note I spy with my little eye A girly I can get cause she don't get too many likes A curly headed cutie I could turn into my wife Number seven. Motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I'd rather die than to listen to you. My DNA not for imitation. Your DNA an abomination. This how I just want you in the matrix. Dodging bullets, reaping what you're sowing, stacking up the footage. Living on the Number six. Number five. Gotta represent, Number two. I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet. Although my heart is falling too. I'm in love with your body. Last night you were in my And number one. Bruno Mars, number one on the Billboard Hot 100. First week for That's What I Like, his seventh number one all this decade. And uh, Trevor, that's that's a high total right, for this decade. It's, uh, first of all, the most by any male in the 2010s, easily. Uh, the runners-up have three, uh, Bieber, Drake, Eminem, and The Weeknd. So uh, Bruno Mars with seven uh, has the most among males in the 2010s. Only Rihanna with nine and Katy Perry have eight uh, this decade. But... Uh, talking about um, male artists with the most number ones by decade in the Hot 100's history, this is fairly on a historic level for Bruno having seven number ones in the 2010s. Uh, the last time that happened was in the 2000s. Usher also had seven. And then before that, you have to go back to the 80s. Michael Jackson had nine. Phil Collins had seven. Phil Collins. We forgot about Phil for a second there. Wow. Um yeah, Usher, Usher in particular, I think, is um, something interesting because you remember how big Confessions was in particular. And I remember, you know, 2004 was just like Usher's playground on the charts. And the fact that Bruno, you know, has seven as well is is obviously outstanding. And the decade isn't over yet. So, right. of course, he's still got time to, to keep piling on. But, um, yeah, I mean, Usher, obviously, huge superstar there. Um, you know, Phil and Michael, I mean, big names there. Bruno is joining some elite company. Well, you hit uh, a key point that it's it's only 2017, so there's still the rest of this year. There's still the the rest of the 24 Karat Magic album, yeah. 2018, 2019. If Bruno can get two more number ones, I mean, maybe he puts out another collaboration like Uptown Funk. It's totally possible. Uh, he could get up to nine, maybe more number ones in the decade, putting him in that league uh, most ever for any male ever in a decade was Michael Jackson. In the 80s. So it, it really is fair to, to wonder at this point, is Bruno Mars having the best decade among male artists since Michael Jackson, which, again, was the record breaking, uh, the setting the bar in the 80s? Uh, ooh, that's a big that's a big question. I think I think Usher and Phil Collins want to want to raise their hand out there somewhere and say, uh, wait a minute. What about us? But, um, yeah, I mean, in particular, you know, Bruno has been compared to to Michael. Um, 
recently a lot more. I think his, his progression for his career is kind of interesting because he started out, I think, a lot of people with the first album, Doo-Wops and Hooligans, back um, in like 2011, that some people thought, you know, okay, he's kind of more top 40, middle of the road, singer-songwriter, right. you know, just the way you are, Grenade, a little more pop, maybe adult-friendly. Um Kind of content in the next album, he has that little police sound with "Locked Out of Heaven." That some people are like, "Okay, wait a minute, there's something, there's something there." Uh, when I was your man, kind of took him back a little bit to the AC route that some people said, and then really with Uptown Funk, and and since then he's really run straight down this road of of core funk R and B. You know, a huge change in sound from his first album. It feels like to a lot of people, and um, it, I, that's brought on comparisons to Michael and right. Prince and a lot of those icons. Well, it's sort of the reverse because Michael Jackson started uh, sort of R&B and then uh, with Beat It, he was going more pop rock and sort of became uh, became the king of pop mainstream. Bruno started right in that pop lane. Now he's overtaking R&B. The song's been number one on uh, the Hot R&B Songs chart for 11 weeks. So he's sort of now branching out into other genres. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually kind of a neat reversal. Um, I mean, it was just interesting to see, too, you know, where does he go from here? Does does he stay in this lane? Like we see, we we saw the sort of adult side of the first album, that policey sound on the second album. I mean, the guy's seems to have really grown in his live performances as well. I mean, his live performances now. You, you saw at the Grammys. That's when he did. That's what I like for the first time. People were floored by that. Right. Um. So it'd be interesting to see, especially you know, a, a guy as talented as he is, you could see him putting out something. I mean, I don't know, even more a little more rock leaning next time, or, or or something with a little more attitude, even more than it already is. Right, and, and all these artists we're, we're mentioning, obviously, uh, they write their own stuff. And in most cases, produce their own stuff. Bruno has written and produced, or co-written, co-produced every one of his number ones. So that just shows you another level of where he is with his talent. And it's interesting too, just to look at who uh, he ranks even better than uh, by males in each decade. Well, we'll just take it back in the '60s, the artists. Uh, the male artist with the most number ones was Elvis. He had six. So, again, it's another uh, number that Bruno has topped. Uh, in the 70s, also, uh, Elton John and Paul McCartney each had six. That was the most. And I, I like this one. In, in the 90s, you only needed three number ones in the 90s to be the male artist with the most number ones. And this might be surprising. Who who did that? Uh, two totally different spectrums. But of, it, it of represents, music. if anything, yeah. it represents the 90s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brian Adams and Puff Daddy each had three. Yeah, Brian, Brian the, that's kind of the top of the decade. And, of course, Puff finishing, in particular, at 97, really strong. And then um, the reason the, the, the male artists had, I guess, such a tough time in the 90s, Mariah had 14 number ones. It was it was the diva decade, the 90s. Yeah. I Janet, mean, Whitney. Yeah, Janet, Whitney, Madonna, Celine, all, all taken over. And uh, if Bruno really wants to reach uh, for the top, uh, the record for most number ones in one decade, 18 by the Beatles in the 60s. Might not have enough time to get yeah, that Yeah, it seems high. like the chart doesn't turn over quite fast enough for, for that one to be the case anymore. Maybe the 20s. Maybe the 2020s for Bruno. Could be. Could be. Uh, the other interesting thing about uh, That's What I Like is it's number one on the Hot 100, but it's actually not number one in any individual metric. So the Hot 100 is based on airplay uh, on radio, sales, and streaming. And there's actually different songs at number one on each chart. So Ed Sheeran's Shape of You is still number one in airplay. Uh, Despacito by uh, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber is number one in sales this week. Never underestimate the Biebs. Yeah. And Kendrick Lamar, Humble, is number one in streaming. But uh, that's what I like shows that you can still be number one on the Hot 100 if you're a big hit in every metric. Uh, 
some of those other songs are bigger in specific metrics, uh, like Humble is very much driven by streaming, but uh, everything is coming together for That's What I Like. So it's number two in airplay, number two in sales, number five in streaming. Add it all up uh, together. It's number one. That happens occasionally. It's, it's a little bit rare, but, but sometimes that does happen. Yeah, and I know um, maybe some of the chart purists out there in a weird way kind of maybe like when this happens better than than other me- than other weeks where sort of, you know, you can be number one in streaming and not even be on radio, but you're number one by such a huge margin that it kind of lifts all your points up. I think for some people, um, when it's a little more evenly spread like this, it's really undeniable that it's, that it's a hit across multiple platforms that people do want to stream it, do want to buy it, and do enjoy it on the radio. I think that, you know, that combination makes it a little undeniable that no one sort of well, it only got to number one because blah. Like, no, it got to number one because it was solid across the board. I've been reading books of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Achilles and his gifts, Spider-Man's control. And the other uh, pretty big news in the top ten, the Chainsmokers are in the top ten once again. We say that just about every week, but the reason it's a bigger deal this week with uh, something just like this in the top 10 with Coldplay, 52 weeks in a row for the Chainsmokers in the top 10. Pretty crazy. Uh, they're, they're now second place, only the second act ever to have a year in the top 10 straight, Katy Perry 69 straight weeks, 2010-2011. It's so interesting because the Chainsmokers are such a a popular but kind of polarizing act on the internet. People either are really down for them or just love to hate on them. But even the people who hate on them sort of have to acknowledge the catchiness of the songs, the popularity of the songs, obviously. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of funny that, that this group, especially last year, you know, I mean, this time last year, no one, I mean, if you would have predicted the Chainsmokers would be doing this kind of thing a year later, continually, like we said, 52 weeks in the top 10 straight, 12 weeks in number one with Closer, I mean, you would you'd be a millionaire if you'd put some money on that in Vegas. And we'll find out, yeah, if it is possible, September 9th will be the big day uh, for the Chainsmokers. That's when they would tie Katy Perry's mark of 69 weeks. September 9th, so that's still, you know, it's it's within reach on the calendar. We can kind of get there. Just just got to last all summer. If the Chainsmokers can whip out another song of the summer, that's all it's going to take. National Chainsmokers tie Katy Perry Day. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure the internet will have plenty of hashtags to celebrate that one, Katy Cats in particular. All right. Uh, just outside the top 10 on the Hot 100 is Sam Hunt's Body Like a Back Road, uh, number one on Hot Country Songs. For a 12th week, it's actually Sam Hunt's longest running number one, beats the 11-week uh, number one run of Take Your Time. And that is our segue, Trevor, to country, because uh, Billboard's Jim Asker, senior chart manager in Nashville, uh, recently sat down with Pandora's Rachel Whitney to cover uh, lots of things about uh, country and streaming and Pandora and how Pandora uh, programs country music uh, through a bunch of channels uh, we'll find out about. So uh, their chat is this week's Industry Insider Interview here on the Billboard Choppy Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey there, Mr. Tim. You don't know how lucky you are You shouldn't spend your whole life wishing For something bound to fall apart Hey everybody, this is Jim Asker at Billboard And today I am really happy to be talking to Rachel Whitney uh, Who is the head of country music programming for Pandora yeah, hey, Jen. Hi, Rachel. Rachel, how, are, how you? are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to my house. This is, yeah, we're doing it from your house today, which is very nice. Um, we're going to do a tour of the house, and I'll make it like um, HGTV. Awesome. It won't take long. <laughs> it's pretty small. But we want to talk to you about your, your job at Pandora, and I always like to ask people when we start is, um, just can, if you can give us a quick snapshot of what the head of country music programming for Pandora does. Absolutely. So my main role is I'm kind of like the country music librarian at Pandora. I love that. Um, yeah, it's fun. I, I get to, um, I, I consider it my mission to kind of take care of everything from all the new music that's coming out to making sure that all of the catalog for all the classic artists are in place. And, um, and then I'm responsible for the programming of about 50 genre stations. So everything from Texas country to progressive bluegrass um, to our new country station where you can hear me introducing new music every week yeah and and i'm interested to, to do that so if i wanted to hear you <laughs> mm-hmm. i could just type in new country yeah so you just go to the search bar in pandora and type in new country um that's actually where we get a lot of our genre station ideas so we have a genre station called sad country songs just because a lot of people came to pandora and typed in sad country songs is that right mm-hmm. wow so i could if i type in sad country songs so what would come up all of the sad countries. <laughs> um, every, you know, we've got a lot of stuff. Everything from, uh, you know, Travis Tritt had some incredible, just tragic, um, sad country songs, and then, um, you know, Miranda Lambert's new Tin Man is on there. So, and is this based on everything on their various albums? Is it is it chart based? How is it based on how you come up with these songs? Um, it depends. A station like Sad Country Songs, I would just use it as an example, is. Um, is really based on what people want to hear when they type in that search term. And I get to see that pretty visibly. Uh, I can tell if people like certain songs on that station. And and so my job is to see how can I meet the expectations um, and then introduce great new music for someone who's who's typing something into the search bar at Pandora. Uh, Pandora has been around a very, very long time. Um, how How many listeners you guys have about so we have about 80 million monthly unique listeners at pandora mm-hmm. um 
Uh, we, I think we have 250 million registered users. Uh, and then last year, we had about 60 million country listeners. Wow. So, so country is huge at Pandora. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's up there in our most popular genres. Uh, and within that umbrella, does that include like Texas country? You mentioned bluegrass. Yeah. Is that all under the country banner? Yep, Americana, um, all of the classic country, outlaw country. Um, yeah, and let's just explain that for, for people because I get asked that question all the time. What yeah. is Americana? It's it's interesting, right? It's a I think there's some Chris cultural Stapleton. context around it. Chris Stapleton falls under country and Americana. Jason Isbell, Emmylou Harris is 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 a kind of a hallmark Americana artist now, even though she was a she was a cornerstone country artist uh, for the majority of her career. So, and is that happening because I I was at country radio for a long time mm-hmm. before I joined Billboard, um, and and I left quite a long time ago, about 15 years ago. However, there was a period of time where, you know, I started in country radio in in the 1980s and I left around 2001. And at some point we stopped playing certain artists and they became Americana artists. So is that how it happened? Because they weren't getting played. You probably wouldn't know that, but it it just seems like uh, at some point, you know, we stopped playing certain new artists, new music, and then they become Americana artists. Yeah, it's interesting, but not everybody does, right? I think there's a, you know, it's kind of a branching off of, uh, you know, a subgenre where, and, and Americana is a special case too because there were there were a lot of people who loved this kind of roots rock alt country music, and it wasn't getting played on mainstream radio, and so they created they created a home for it. You know, they created the Americana Music Association that kind of set it up so that they could have award shows and 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 start to define what Americana means by, you know, who's showing up the award show, who's, who's getting nominated. Um, it's one of my favorite genres. It's, it's one of the best award shows. I mean, it really is incredible the way that they surface new music. And I think by having your kind of tentpole artists like an Emmylou Harris or Rodney Crowell, um, you create space for them, for them to kind of support these new artists as they're coming up. So uh, it lends legitimacy to the new acts and then also celebrates the legacy of of these historic artists. I think artists. That, that's a great answer. How, how did you get your job? That's an interesting question, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved to Nashville in 2004. I think like a lot of people, uh, I grew up on country music and I just wanted to work around it. And I was really willing to do, you know, whatever I needed to do to to be around music and I was lucky to get an internship at Dual Tone Music Group when I got here. Which is a record label. Which is a record label and um, they actually had a lot of Americana acts at the time. Um, One of my favorite bands that I thought was so great that we had was uh, Hayseed Dixie. It was a bluegrass cover band they played acdc cover songs i remember them um we had a, now dual tone has the lumineers and and brett denon and some really cool bands shovels and rope so um, but anyway so i had this internship and and got got really into kind of the online internet marketing scene it was mm-hmm. it was 2004 so it was pretty new for for nashville at the time and and that kind of kicked me off um went from there to do music video promotion at a company called Aristo Media and then uh, ended up starting my own little online marketing shop for a few years uh, where I would help artists set up Facebook pages and websites and then 
went to work at Borman Entertainment, where we managed Keith Urban and Lady Annabellum, mm-hmm. um, Mickey Guyton, who I, I absolutely adore. And then uh, I, I was working really closely with all the digital platforms. And so when Pandora came to Nashville to see who might be good for this job, they asked me if I had anyone to recommend. And, um, and I sent them some folks that I thought might be good for the gig. And they came back and they asked me if I would be interested in interviewing for it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was a little bit of a shock to so me. That you have a varied background and mm-hmm. a, a wide variety of, of things that you have done that are in your skill set. So what do you mm-hmm. say to new people who want to be in the industry? Where, where do they go? Where do they start? Do yeah, they do an internship I first? I, at the end of the day, you must be present to win. You have to you have to show up. You have to meet people, and we have a lot of incredible organizations in Nashville. There's a a group called YEP, which is Young Entertainment Professionals, uh, where you can come and show up and meet a lot of uh, young people who are who are working in the entertainment industry and want to be involved. And uh, I think just showing up and going to shows and meeting the meeting the venue owners and uh, meeting artists. I think one of the greatest things you can do. People come to town and and they want to do things like uh, if you want to be a songwriter. Well, there's nothing stopping you from just doing it, finding other people who want to do the same and working with them to you know, do your best work and get your name out there. Hmm. Interesting. So what can you describe your role in Nashville? Like, Do you interact for Pandora with the record labels? Um, I do not, actually. We have an industry relations group at Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a separate department. Oh, okay. And they do... Uh, they do all of our kind of interaction with the industry and they book a lot of shows for us. Um, they deal with the contracts and, and all that stuff. My job is really to focus on the music and making sure the listener that every listener that's interested in country music is getting, um, all the new music and all the right music at the right time. Do you listen to everything? As much as I can, as much as one person can. Like you just heard the new Chris Stapleton album. I know that. Oh my gosh. And it's incredible. So when will that end up on Pandora? Does it have to, you have to wait until it's released? Yeah, I have to, I wait till it's released. Um, and Do they then, sometimes slip it to you early? Um, no. Like, is, does Pandora do the exclusive releases? We don't. You don't? We okay. don't. Um, a lot of the albums that are coming out will release a couple tracks ahead of time. So mm-hmm. we'll have some songs from the record before the album comes out. Uh, and, and I'll be making sure to play those, but. But yeah, we'll for the most part, the, the album comes out and then album you start. release day. Yes. And, and sometimes they will release, um, not sometimes, but pretty much all the time, they will release a single ahead mm-hmm. of time uh, to country radio and various other platforms. So, and then you and start that playing. And includes us. And that yeah, includes yeah. you guys yeah. as well. And when I take you home, don't worry, babe. I'm going to kick them off on the porch. Might have a little dirt on my boots, but I'm taking you uptown tonight. The first time I heard the phrase curator, I I was kind of confused. I always thought of the, mm-hmm. that that name related to like museum curators. It's a cool name for uh, relating to music now. But what does a curator do? Even though you don't yeah. do that, what does a curator? Well, no, do? I I actually am a curator. My my official title is lead curator programmer for country music at Pandora, okay. but it's a little wonky for for Nashville, so. Um, head of country programming is just easier to put on a business card. So can you just briefly explain what a curator does? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a curator, 
I'm responsible for making sure that we have all the music that we should have on the platform, that we don't have the music we shouldn't have, um, and that it's playing where it's supposed to. So it's kind, it is kind of like a museum in a way. I mean, I'm making mm-hmm. sure that we have all the, all the art and then I'm putting up the art that needs to be seen in a way. Um, the, the cool thing about Pandora is there's just so much room for, for great music. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not limited to just one kind of, you know, one specific kind of country music. I really get to dig in to everything from, you know, mainstream pop country that you might hear on the, on the, on terrestrial radio, all the way to Texas country and outlaw classic. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got, we've got some really cool genre stations like seventies country rock. Um, no, no. If I plug in, say John party, because mm -hmm. dirt on my boots is such a popular song. It was number one, um, on our chart just recently, Mm -hmm. our country airplay chart for three weeks in a row. So if I plug in John Party, is it possible the curator would slip in something else like, oh, they might like this as well? That is really done by our genome project. So Pandora was originally built with this egalitarian, genreless utopia in mind, right? That you Holy could go, cow. Yeah. So they, right? So you could go in and type in any artist that you love, mm-hmm. and you would hear other music that sounds like that, regardless of who thought it was country or pop or any of these kind of mechanisms that were really based around advertising. Um, so when you go in and type in John party, you're hearing a mixture of, um, other songs that sound, uh, that sound like John party, other, um, other songs that other John party fans like, Mm -hmm. um, you're hearing, uh, Pandora does a great job, um, through the genome project of servicing new music. So you'll hear new music that sounds like John party. Um, so it's kind of, a, it's kind of a mixture of all of those things. The programming that I do can lend, um, more information to the, to the, uh, to the algorithm behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we try to stay away from, from, you know, programming artist stations. It should really be an organic experience where you as the listener are just getting the best experience possible. I mean, Pandora really is today's, it's a, it's a radio station, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great lean back experience. I think, uh, you know, we're launching our on-demand platform, but for a long time, it's just been a great place to go and play great music that you like without really worrying about. I mean, while I'm working, I like to put it on just so I don't have to think about what to plug in. Yeah. Exactly. And just listen to it like a radio station. What I thought was cool yesterday, I was listening to a Carrie Underwood station and the song that Miranda Lambert did on the Academy of Country Music Awards, Tin Man came up, mm-hmm. which is similar to when I was working in radio the day after an award show, I would go hand the jock if I was mm-hmm. the program director say, hey, play this song today because it people are thinking about it. It's kind right. of the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go into making that happen. Um, the cool thing, I mean, we've been playing Tin Man since the record came out. It was, you know, it's really one of my favorite songs on the, on the album. So, um, I had it playing in some genre stations for a while. So it's had a lot of time to build up, um, interactions with listeners. So, you know, you can see, you can see that kind of culminate in experiences like that. So Pandora is, is today's radio basically. 
in or one of today's radio stations. Yeah, well, and and one of the things that happens is that you know after a moment like that on on TV, we'll see a lot of people come into Pandora and type in Tin Man, and so so the system will pick up on that song's popularity. So uh, because Miranda Lambert and Carrie Underwood are so close um, in with their listener base, you'll see um, that's that's a reason why you might hear kind of a new song that's going to come up um, on a Carrie Underwood station from Miranda Lambert. So it's neat. It takes all the, all those kind of cultural cues into account. And when I'm listening, I'm hearing commercials, which is, Mm -hmm. is important. Right. And when I was in radio, I used to tell people like the commercials are, is what pays for you to get this for free. Yep. Basically. So it's important, correct? It is. It is important. It is important. And we, you know, Pandora really, is run off of advertising, um, but we are launching our premium service uh, where you can pay to listen to music on demand, and that's um, that's going to be really great, I think, for our users. Um, you're going to be able to do things like, uh, and you can now replay songs. Um, there's unlimited skips if you pay for an account, and then also uh, as we roll out our premium service, which you can actually sign up for now at pandora.com backslash premium, uh, you can... Uh, go and listen to anything you want to on demand. So hmm. um, as long as we have the license for it, there are a few things like, um, you know, Garth Brooks is a great example of a, of a country artist who um, he's not available on Spotify. Um, his music's available on Amazon, but um, on Pandora, he has a great radio station, but his music isn't available on demand. Do you think Pandora in general benefits artists like new artists, for instance? Yes. Yeah, I really do. Um, and, and it's built for that, too. Um, Pandora, our team, is it's really important for my programming team to surface new music. And then it's also um, built into the system to make sure that new music is getting surfaced for listeners, especially listeners that are open to it. Uh, we hear from artists all the time that say that uh, the reason that they can tour is because of their Pandora um, exposure. And we've we've recently opened up a new suite of artist tools where you can go to amp.pandora.com and actually create liners for your artist station, hmm. and um, yeah, and feature tracks. And it's it's really a it's really a pretty cool system, and and it's really built for for new artists and independent artists to be able to take advantage of. All right, so if I'm an independent artist and I've got a new album out and I'm building up a social media following. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get my album played on Pandora? And how do I do that? Yeah, you can. So our radio library is still completely curated. So what you have to do to submit your music for that is to another URL. I'm giving you a ton of URLs today. Um, you go to submit.pandora.com and you can send us your music for consideration for the radio platform. Can, can you just say that again for people mm-hmm. listening? You yeah, it's submit.pandora.com. All right, I'll be doing that right after we're done here. Okay, great. I can't wait to hear your songs, Jim. <laughs> so, so who listens then? Is it a team of people who? Yeah, we have a big group of people who all um, who all review music to, and we're really checking for kind of production value. You know, it's um, it needs to sound consistent across the station. So, you know, it's not necessarily that you're competing with major label tracks, but but um, it needs to be produced well, and it needs to fit into needs to fit into the context of it, what a station might play. Okay. Yeah, so I'm older than you, as you know. So when I was a kid, I would buy record albums. And there was there were only various platforms, um, several, to listen to music. You'd buy the album. You would hear it on the radio first. Typically, those radio programmers back then were the gatekeepers for everything because there was not the Internet to go. So 
I see it in so many different ways now that it's an advantage to artists to get their music out there without um, the mi middlemen, which is what we were in radio. We were the middlemen to to play that music um, mm -hmm. if we chose to or not in our various marketplaces. And now that that radio is still very, very important out there, but there's so many ways to listen to new music. And it's just, you know, I hope that the value stays the same as, you know, you would, as a kid, you would have this album and it would be larger than life. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, you know, with kids growing up in front of screens, it's just a whole different world that's changing. And I would think you think it's for the better for most part that um, music is still as important as it was years ago. It's just different way of, of getting it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, our listenership is, is strong. Um, I do feel like people are consuming more music than they ever have before. Um, just it's so it's so easily available. Uh, we drive a lot of, of purchasing. Um, we find a lot of people who, you know, you can see it on Twitter where people will talk about how they heard something on Pandora and then they went out and they bought a record or they bought a ticket to a show. Um, so I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of value there. Um, you know, it's uh and a lot of people still buy music from listening to it on yeah Pandora. yeah they do and we have purchase links on every song so you can click through a song and go buy that song um from your preferred um from your preferred you know online music vendor D um, does pandora talk to listeners do, do is there a way to get feedback from people mm -hmm. so if a fan is listening there's a way to get their opinions through and well yeah i mean we have thumbs are you talking about just songs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So we, we, you know, if you're thumbing your stations on Pandora, then you're getting a really, um, you're getting a unique listener experience that's just just for you and your taste and music. So, uh, and then we take that into account um, when we play songs across the platform. And, and is there a way for listeners to also plug in music that you may not know about and say, hey, I think you guys could be aware of this, should be aware of this song or this artist? We keep really close track of what people type into the search bar. And if we don't have it, we make sure to get it. Um, I see. I think Pandora is really built for the listener. We're not trying to tell anyone what's cool or, or not. We're kind of, I think we, you know, we look at ourselves more of like a friendly record store clerk where... Uh, you know, if you like something, we'd love to introduce you to something else that you might like, but we're not here to judge your tastes or, or tell you what you should or shouldn't be listening hmm. to. Is this your dream job? It is. Is it? Yeah. Why do you yeah, love it's it? It's pretty cool. I mean, I get to listen to music all day and, um, and, and get it in front of people. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like I really feel like, um, you know, introducing new music to people is, is a life changing thing. And, and it's incredible that I get to do it for work every day. Every little thing I remember every little thing The high hurt, the shine, the sting Of every little thing I guess What have you listened to lately that you love? Oh my gosh, well two of my new favorite kind of country artists are um, um well, the new new female singers are uh, Ingrid Andrus, uh, who has just one song out right now um, called "The Stranger." She's a country artist. It. Yeah, it's kind of it's more singer songwriter than mm -hmm. than super country. And then um, I don't know if you guys know Carly Pierce. Oh, I, I love just she's just incredible. Um, and then uh, Steve Mokler is one of my other favorites. He's got that song "Wheels." It's just so good. Um, I saw Carly Pierce at the big machine showcase yes oh my gosh she killed it 
She's so great. really great. Can a song like that, um, female artists struggled for a long time. Do you think that's um, changing? Um, I, I do because I think there's just more outlets for them. I don't think we're as dependent anymore on the, on the short set of music that, um, you know, it's unfortunately kind of the state of radio today. Uh, you know, you have, you have all these online platforms where people can discover music. And I, I do think it's changing. I think that the exposure that, that women are getting on other platforms are, are getting them in front of more people at this kind of radio gatekeeper level. And, and the genre mix, you know, we used to think um, back in the old days in radio that females don't like listening to female artists. Is that a crazy way of thinking? I don't find that to be true. Mm-hmm. And even consultants would say females don't like listening to female disc jockeys. Um, I, I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I just being a woman <laughs> I just don't I mean I I love listening to to women on the radio and I love listening to women artists and and it, it just, just I don't I'm song, not thinking right? about it like that yeah right. yeah I, th- I think and I think most programmers would tell you it depends on the song it has nothing yeah to do yeah with. I mean it really is about the music and and about whether or not it connects with people but I was I was talking to a record executive um <laughs> The other day asking him about it's a new record label and, and they were mm-hmm. looking to sign an artist and I mentioned a female artist who I think should be big and isn't right now and he said yeah but we're female artists are just too hard to break so we're not going to do that right now you know it's really unfortunate um I I understand the the business you know, when you're looking at the the percentage chance of breaking a new artist as a record label person, mm-hmm. um, it's just harder right now. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And I think you see a lot of really incredible female talent that's come out recently that's been really successful um, because of all the other opportunities that are newly available. And, you know, I would hope that um, anybody making that decision would would know that you know, you're not as dependent now on the traditional gatekeepers. Right. And, and that there there are huge career opportunities out there for for females and also and also guys who don't really fit the kind of mainstream country mold. So right. yeah. Well, do you listen to it while you're cleaning this lovely house? I do. I have my favorite stations. What what do you plug um, in? You know, I've got, so we've got some great stations that are, uh, great dinner party stations. I listen to country music all day, so, um, and I love it, but, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm having people over for dinner, sometimes like the Leon Bridges station is really great. Um, there's a, uh, indie folk revival station that I'm a big fan of. So if I, um, if you're going to send me out of here with a suggestion that I should mm-hmm. listen to, just kind of mm-hmm. knowing the kind of music I like, what would you tell mm-hmm. me to listen to? Ingrid, that new artist you just she's, mentioned. She's great. Um, I also have a station. It's it's my it's probably my favorite station that I manage. It's called the Nashville. It's the six one five Nashville Dive. Six one five Nashville Dive, and yeah. I plug that into the search. Uh-huh. Yeah, just type in the six one five, and it'll come I'm up. And do that. And we've what got will come up. We've got a couple of those. We've got one that's the Nashville Dive, and we have one that's Nashville Indie Rock. But the Nashville Dive is like. Um, kind of more alt country mm-hmm. um a lot of local artists uh, is that yours something uh-huh. and what was yeah. the other one you just mentioned um 615 nashville dive and you just mentioned oh and then and then we have another nashville station called then 615 nashville indie rock what was the first concert you went to oh my gosh new kids on the block new kids on the block yes. <laughs> excellent i was in third grade 
And you know what? The second concert I remember seeing as a little kid was, um, I guess I wasn't that little, um, but Shelley Wright came and played um, the the Wichita River Festival. Is that where you grow up? Mm-hmm. Wichita. I yeah. don't think I knew that. Yeah. Wichita, Kansas. Excellent. And yeah. you were in third grade when you discovered music. Is that when you well, knew you wanted to be in the mu- this world? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I really, uh, I grew up playing classical music. Um, playing? The flute. The flute. I was a flute player. Um, and I just always loved it. And when I got to college, I realized that I needed a job and I um, wasn't going to do that for a living. So Do you still play the flute? Um, yeah, as a hobby. <laughs> Because that's so. an instrument we need to bring into country. Maybe you. I don't. I don't know about that. Um, you know, the Marshall Tucker Band did a great job with it. Um, you know, you actually hear a lot of it in like the seventies. One of the first bands I loved world. was uh, Jethro Tull. Yeah, I get that a lot. Great, Ian Anderson. Yep, it's tremendous, yeah. and and some other stuff. Use the flute too. That's yeah. interesting. Well, and it's coming back now. You can hear it in a lot of new hip hop. All right. Well, um, thank you very much, Rachel. Oh, well, I thanks, really Jim. enjoyed thanks talking for coming to over. you. Um, Rachel Whitney um, of Pandora, the head of country music programming. So thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Jim. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Jim Asker from Billboard. Thank you. Let's trace the steps of where we've been to make it feel like home again. You play the stranger. Great stuff from uh, Jim Asker again in Nashville with Rachel Whitney from Pandora. What do you think of that uh, at the end, uh, Trevor, where uh, Rachel and Jim were talking about flutes, of how uh, uh, Rachel uh, played the flute growing up, and she's talking about how flute, we, we were just saying this the other day, of how it's become a big part of hip-hop music. Yeah, Future in particular, um, sort of some of the ATL crew leading the charge out of, out of the flutes uh, in hip-hop. But, I mean, it goes to show that, you know, like rap and country in particular, especially with someone like Sam Hunt, you know, they're not nearly as as worlds apart as some people want to make them out to be. I mean, you see plenty of um plenty of like country singers cover some rap songs, Sam Hunt of course in particular. Right. I mean, even when I know she's not a rapper, but when Beyonce can go on the CMAs with the Dixie Chicks, you know, there's something about those two worlds understand each other. Um, I think more than most people do. And even something as far down as instrumentation, you know, using the same kind of Kind of instruments. All right, we're going from uh, country to hip hop. We're, we're going all over the place. So at this point, why not? Why not go Broadway? Take take a stroll down Broadway. Hello, darling. This is Louis, darling. It's so nice to have you back where you. Flashing back this week to 1964. That's one of our that's one of our furthest flashbacks over 50 years. Uh, 50 years ago this week, I wasn't even born then. That's how far Gary back it was. wasn't even born. Now nah, we've really gone back. Goodness, like a, it's like a foreign land back here. Um, but yeah, 53 years ago this week, talking about the number one song in the country, which was "Hello Dolly" by none other than Louis Armstrong. Uh, Louis. Getting to number one made him the oldest artist ever to have a number one. He was 64 at the time, which 
I mean, trying to think of anybody who's 64 having a number one hit today seems totally impossible. Right. I mean, I know they're older, but it would be like someone like Elton John, who's 70, or, or Bob Dylan, someone who's just been around in music for so many years, so beloved. I, it's possible through a, through a sample or a featured artist, but but exactly, it would or be... A, it would, or, yeah, or a croak. Eh, eh. <laughs> it, it would be out of the ordinary, yes. Um, but of course, Louis, Louis managed to get up there. I mean, again, we're talking about this is... Just months after the Beatlemania has taken over the United States, taken over the chart, Louis kind of worms his way up there, and the song Hello Dolly uh, does it number one. Hello Dolly back in the news, of course, again this week when the new musical on Broadway, well, not the not new, but the revival music, of the musical on Broadway, starring the one and only Bette Midler, picking up 10 Tony nominations, including Best Revival of Musical and Best Leading Actress in a Musical for Bette Midler herself. How big a deal is Bette Midler, the fact that they're not even doing any press for this show? It's just simply, hey, Bette Midler is on Broadway in Hello, Dolly. Reviews have been outstanding. Obviously, the award season is picking up on it. And who knows? It seems like Bette's going to be the favorite to to take home the award this year. A lot of pop artists now have a real Broadway connection. Uh, Gloria Stefan, uh, her music with yeah. Get On Your Feet. Josh Groban is now uh, starring on Broadway. Josh Groban also earning a Tony nomination this morning as well. Um, and... Again, kind of one of those weird segues of, of charts leading up to pop culture. It was back in 2002 this week that he got his first top 10 album on the Billboard 200. So uh, for now, now two reasons, a big a big week in Josh Groban history. And all, like, like it is another two separate weeks that are huge in Hello Dolly folklore to come. And I can bring in my 80s uh, pop rock knowledge, uh, Josh Groban's first hit, To Where You Are, written by Richard Marks. Oh, that, I didn't know that, but... Oh God, I can see it. I can that that's like a musical lineage, like out of out of like a like a storybook. Like he couldn't write a better a better tree than that. Well, he he also uh, wrote In Sync's This I Promise You. Uh, Luther Vandross uh, co-wrote Dance with My Father. Yeah, a lot of country hits with uh, with Keith Urban and, and other acts. So yeah, Richard found a way to get paid um, long after his own hits stopped coming. But I'm sure it probably made him way more as a songwriter than you ever do as a performer and i've turned this into the richard marks flashback and instead of richard marks we're gonna go uh we'll stay in the 80s we'll talk a little bit also more about like we said bet midler earlier getting that tony nomination and bet herself has been a consistent presence here on the hot 100 as well uh she got a number one hit of course in 1989 as i'm sure most people know for the song wind beneath my wings from the film beaches and got back to number two Actually, soon after with the song From a Distance, both of those getting some big Grammy nominations and uh, really solidifying her career. She'd obviously been a, a theatrical performance and she'd been around for, you know, 20, 20 something years before she really got a number one hit, which I think is, is pretty rare. You know, most people don't get number one hits that late into right. their career. She uh, luckily able to turn the tide. And I mean, just incredible what she's been able to do. Sort of some parallels with uh, Hello, Dolly, how you said how uh, that was number one right when Beatlemania was happening. Yeah. Wind Beneath My Wings, it was sort of a different type of song to be number one. There were still a lot of ballads hitting number one, but uh, New Kids on the Block were breaking out. Bobby Brown was a lot of a lot of early New Jack Swing. It was yeah. certainly uh, much more uh, younger sounding music. So it's kind of interesting how a uh, good song uh, can still uh, break through. And that's what happened with Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, competing against, not that women have to compete against each other, but even the women in the field, you know, this is... I mean, Madonna is hot. Janet Jackson is hot. Paul Abdul is on fire at this point. And, you know, for this sort of, I don't want to say sleepy ballad, but this kind of, you know, sort of this this big adult contemporary song that 
even though everyone knows, it seems it seems weird to think of it as this smash hit that everyone was singing along to back in the day. Um, but of course, um, fantastic achievement for her to bring this musical back, getting rave reviews. Like we said, the Tony Award nomination now, and uh, coming this June, just might bring it home. All right, we'll uh, wrap with. Not rap with Bette Midler. I was going to say wrap up. Let's, ra- <laughs> Let's yo, Bette raps. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap up with Bette Midler here on the Billboard uh, Charpy podcast. Join us again uh, next week. We'll see if Bruno Mars can stay at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with That's What I Like. Or uh, there's a new song that's going to debut. Uh, we'll see how big it is. We're still working on the projections. But uh, DJ Khaled's I'm the One might be very aptly titled. You know, it almost makes you wonder if Khaled knew... He's always talking about you know another one and 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 he's uh, what's the other, what's the other song what's the other song I'm on one I'm, he's on one that's right how does Gary know that and I don't <laughs> um, <laughs> he's on one now he could be the one uh, of course getting some help with Bieber Chance the Rapper Quavo and Lil Wayne what a what a super group there I wonder yeah. how I got all those people in the studio that would be fun to find out yeah it would it would be if it has a chance for number one yeah, Khaled's never had a number one uh, Chance the Rapper. Uh, hasn't so yeah we'll see what happens should have a big uh, first week so uh, we'll find out next week and uh yeah we'll see uh, how big that is you can uh, find out monday on facebook live uh, trevor and i will reveal the top 10 first before anyone else uh on the on uh, facebook live and youtube on monday and then we'll talk about it here again on the billboard sharpie podcast play us out bit ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.